Welcome to MI Live, a podcast from Macros Inc., where we talk about how to make your nutrition and fitness goals realistic, achievable, and sustainable. All right, let's get to the show. Brett, stop dancing just in time today. I know. And it's a good day because I'm wearing my goldfish hat. Your goldfish hat. Do you have your sunglasses with you? Uh, they're in the car, but they are oh. awesome. Yeah, they're, they're, they remind me of the Back to the Future sunglasses. They may be the best $9 I've ever spent. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably go with that. So, everybody, welcome to MI Live, uh, your weekly nutrition talk show. Is that what we are still? I don't know. Um, I would say it's your tri weekly. Tri weekly nutrition talk show, most of the time. Um, your three we, times a week talk show. Where we try to make, where we help you make your nutrition and fitness goals realistic, sustainable, and achievable. I am Jay. With me, as always, is the co-host of the show, Dr. Bradley Preston Theater. Preston, that's not my middle name. It starts with a P. Yeah, it does start with a P. So everybody, um, we'll give away a T-shirt if somebody can guess my middle name today. Oh my God! How did I forget your middle name? Jay, I think your audio is not coming through your mic and just coming through like your computer. You sound different today. Let's see. I don't know why, but you sound different. Oh, maybe yeah. my ears are different. Is that better? I, maybe. I don't know. Is this louder? Yes, I think I think it's coming through your laptop. Uh, what a day. What a day this has been. It is. It is quite the uh, the day. I'm not. I'm a... Well, right, we well, shall we shall carry on anyway. Can you hear me at least? Yeah, I can hear you. Just, you just you just sounded different, so I figured it was not coming through your mic. No, uh, I'm done with the day, Brad. It's been a long day since four thirty this morning. Hey, I feel you, man. I've been I've been rolling. I ha- I haven't even taken a shower because I got up and started working. Well, I mean, I don't, sh- I don't shower normally, so. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, before we get too far off topic, Jay. Brad. What are we covering today? Speaking of the letter P, I feel like this is an episode of Sesame Street. Today's episode is brought to you by the letter P. <laughs> We're talking about... P? Oh, protein. All things protein. All things protein today. You got, I, so, I got to get you hyped up for the show because you were all hyped up for the show before today. So now... I'm going to be your hype man, and I'm going to get you hyped, and then you're going to take it away. Ready? Whoa, 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 Well, you're going to have to – I'm going to give you the advice that – this is so awkward. My ex-girlfriend's father gave me. <laughs> Suck it up, quit whining. No. <laughs> I don't have to. So, um, all right. All right. So – I want to do a, a a show about we're going to do a three part series. Today's protein. Tomorrow's going to be carbohydrates, and then we'll do fats. Um, or Friday's going to be carbs, and then Monday we'll do fats. Um, so what I'm going to do is go through and just talk about protein, like explain protein from the beginning to end, explain it as I know it, and then whenever you feel the need to, you jump in and clarify and expand on things. You know what's really awesome about today? Um, it's Wednesday. I may or may not have come prepared with lectures from or slides from a lecture I gave on this exact topic a couple of years ago. So I have all sorts of figures and graphs and pictures and pretty things to show people. Okay. So proteins. It's in food. You eat it. It makes your muscles grow. That's all I know. That's uh, all you know. I'm kidding. So That's so- all you probably need to know. So protein is made of uh, protein is in not just in animals, it's in plants as well. Um, And it's made of amino acids, some of which are essential, some of which uh, meaning that your body can't synthesize them and we need to get them from food. Um, Some are non-essential, which means our bodies can synthesize them from other sources. Um, And we need a well-balanced diet. Uh, animal protein has complete protein, which all of the amino acids that we need versus plants that not all plants do, which is why if you have follow a plant-based diet, you need a 
wide variety of protein sources to build complete amino acids. All right. Well, that was a five-minute show. We're is, that, here. Is, that, do you, is there anything to expand? What are the essential amino acids? Um, so, yeah. I mean, there's obviously with any topic, you can go as deep as you want. Um, so the amino acids are – so imagine proteins can be anything from um, like – two amino acids put together to hundreds of amino acids put together, right? Um, so for example, you have a, a protein, a dipeptide, which is two peptides in your muscle tissue. That's incredibly important for maintaining cellular pH, et cetera. Um, and that's called carnosine and, and that's a protein, right? It's two peptide or it's two amino acids put together. Um, and then you have other ones that are much bigger, right? Um, insulin is actually a protein-based hormone. It's hundreds of amino acids long. Um, you have proteins that are even bigger with thousands or tens of thousands of amino acids long. So um, proteins just describe a series of molecules that are amino acids that are put together in any number, any length, right? One, two, three, 57, 5 billion, 497 trillion, something like that, right? Um, so that's the first piece. Now, their amino acids are classified as essential or non-essential. Um, and we also have a, something called conditionally essential. So non-essential means your body can manufacture enough of that protein or that amino acid, excuse me, um, that you don't need to consume it in your diet. You will survive. You'll be fine um, if you don't consume that amino acid. You have essential amino acids, which you... Um, you have to consume in your diet. Your body does not manuf- either does not manufacture them or does not manufacture them in enough quantity that you get everything you need. And then you have um, <clears throat> things that are conditionally essential amino acids. So amino acids that you normally make enough of, but under certain circumstances, you may not make enough of. Um, and so glutamine is one of those that kind of falls in the, condens- the conditionally essential amino acids. So periods of very high stress, burns, um, substantial GI issues, those sorts of things you can actually, um, it's a conditionally essential amino acid. Perfect. Is my mic working? <gasps> You're back. I was plugging in a webcam. You what? <laughs> I kept plugging in a webcam instead of plugging in my mic and now I fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's a Wednesday. Yeah, it's a long day. Um, so my, my question, I don't want to get too much into the amino acids because then you start getting the supplements and things like that. And we're, not, we're talking about protein as a whole. Is there one last thing on amino acids? <clears throat> Is there any difference between a, and we're talking about the same amino acid, you know, uh, leucine, whatever, whatever the amino acid is. Is there any difference between an amino acid from a plant and from an animal? Um, no, not okay. at like the amino acid level. Okay, perfect. So <clears throat> we have, we have, pro- and, oh, and do amino acids have, cal- cause we have branch chain amino acids to supplement, um, yeah. people supplement with different amino acids, um, amino acids, amino acids, proteins from plants, proteins from amino acid supplements, proteins from, uh, animal products. They are all four calories per gram, Correct. Um, yes. So there are, um, there are, there is a little bit of a difference between amino acids, right? They don't have the, all have the exact same caloric content. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of three to four gram or calories per gram. Some amino acids are closer to three, some are closer to four. Um, but for all intents and purposes, um, we just say they're all, all amino acids or all proteins are four calories per gram. Cause that's the easiest way to understand it. Because there's really, okay. let's say you were to consume, um, you know, a meal had 25 grams of protein. It was maybe a little bit richer in amino acids that were closer to three than four. You're not going to like get out your biochem textbook, figure out the exact number and be like, oh, it's actually 92.7 calories versus 100. It's like, okay, that's okay. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yesterday there was, there was talk in our Facebook group. For anybody who's not in there, just go to macrosync.net slash free group. Pardon me. There was a uh, a post a conversation going on there where somebody was talking about they they were a coach that was in there, not one of our coaches. They were somebody else who was talking about coaching their clients, and they said they have their coach their clients take in take any protein that comes from plant sources and chart it as a carbohydrate. 
Um, yeah, we it, we had some internal discussion amongst the coaches. Everybody said, this is nothing I've ever heard of. Is this something crazy? Um, we said, no, the conversation went on in group um, <clears throat> and a bunch of people, apparently, apparently this was a common, not in our clients or with our coaches, but <clears throat> in the general public in that group, this was an actual common theme that people, people followed was the, you should chart uh, protein from plants as carbohydrates. I've never heard that. I just wanted to clarify for anybody who might be listening or watching that that is not the case. I'm going to be muted for a second. My dog's losing his mind. Okay. Um, so that is definitely, definitely not the case. Is a uh, <clears throat> Brad's leaving have a frog in the throat. That's definitely not the case. So you should not be charging, documenting protein from plants as carbohydrates. Protein's protein. So Brad's leaving for our conversation for the next part. This whole series is gone um so let's look over at our comments real quick just a bunch of good mornings <clears throat> brad is back so we can finish up our conversation so we have our proteins in um <clears throat> we have proteins or amino acids now i obviously ingest protein i i break them down and i'm i eat food <clears throat> i have protein um regardless of the amount it's in my system the protein is put into is broken down circulates through my system, goes in for tissue, uh, muscle, organ repair, things like that. Um, and I cannot store protein. So I'm going to utilize all the protein that's in my blood <clears throat> for tissue repair. Once it is being utilized for tissue repair, what, what happens with the, with the excess protein? Obviously I'm going to eat, it goes into my circulation and it's not like all the protein instantly goes where it needs to it circulate. So what happens to it? <clears throat> Is it just circulating until it's used? Does it become excreted? Is there a time frame when I'm going to excrete this? Is it stored? What happens while at, between what happens with the protein once I eat it? That's and a great that, question. And and uh, and and let's skip the part we'll come back to it. Let's skip being utilized for like muscle growth and organ repair. What happens to the protein that's not being utilized for that? Um, can you see my screen? <clears throat> yes. This is the diagram of uh, what happens to amino acids in your body, right? So um, whenever you consume protein, you break it down into amino acids. So your body doesn't actually use, quote unquote, protein. It uses the amino acids that are, are the protein. Um, and so if you think about it, um, Jay, you and I talk about this all the time, kind of financial uh, analogies. But Imagine you have an amino acid pool in your body, this kind of free-flowing amino acid pool, right? Um, and treat that like your checking account, right? Um, every day you have... Well, maybe not every day, but um, every month you have money coming in and you have money going out. Uh, the money coming in can come from different sources, right? It can come from um, like your full-time job. It can come from some real estate investments. It can come from stock dividends. It can come from all sorts of areas, right? So you can have mm -hmm. multiple ways that um, income comes in. Uh, you also have multiple ways income goes out, right? You have uh, mortgage payments, bills, investments, retirement, um, you know discretionary spending, etc. So your amino acid pool in your body is very much like your checking account. So every day, you have uh, amino acids that are added to that free amino acid pool. And that comes from the protein you consume, so your dietary protein. So let's just say on average, the average American gets around 100 grams a day. Um, 100 grams of the amino acid... or um, 100 grams is added a day from your diet to the amino acid pool. Your body protein gets broken down and turned over every single day as well. So that's muscle tissue, that's bone tissue, that's organs. There's protein in everything um, in your body, not just muscle tissue. And about so 400 grams a day. Go ahead. So the body protein is essentially stored protein, correct? Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, so 400 grams a day adds to the amino acid pool. And then you get synthesized non-essential amino acids. So these are things that you can make yourself. Um, and so you kind of always have about 100 grams of amino acids freely available at your body to use. Now, um, you, your body kind of balances the checkbook, right? So of the 400 grams of body protein that goes in per day, 
400 grams goes out of that amino acid pool back into body protein, right? It gets recycled, goes to different areas, etc. Um, then you get small portions of that that are used to actually create molecules that are important, like neurotransmitters. Your DNA um, requires some some amino uh, based molecules, um, and then you also have some oxidation, right? You have some of it's you know used for energy, some of it's converted to glucose, and some of it's converted to like ketones and fatty acids. Um, but that's kind of the breakdown of what that looks like. Okay, so. It's it's not all so it's used for various things, but it's used for a lot of different things. We have three main, a couple main inputs, a lot of different variable outputs. You have your income source from one or two places, and then you spend your money all over the place. What is there a? And the only storage unit we have is that approximately four hundred four hundred grams of protein that's going to be stored in muscle muscle and tissue. Um, for repair, and it will break down, put that back into circulation when low on other protein to rebuild tissue that needs it first. Yeah, so you you store it in you know in muscle tissue. You store it in other organs, like your liver will store some, so it can you know process uh, proteins and other things as well. Um, but yes, it's primarily stored just in your body tissue. Now, if I have an overabundance of protein, let's say I have, I eat a I have 600, I, I have my 100 grams of free in my amino acid pool because um, I ate an hour ago and I already had some broken up for body protein. And then I have a protein shake that's 60 grams of protein. Now I have an overabundance of protein in my system. What happens to that excess protein? Um, so it will either be utilized for... Um, any of these these processes okay um it'll go towards stored body protein it will be utilized um and metabolized and you'll give off some co2 some of it will be converted to glucose or glycogen it'll be just processed it'll be deaminated and turned into something else and you'll pee out some of the urea or it'll be converted to one of these other ones so on here you know converting it to glucose is that a very efficient process is that common um, it's very inefficient. Okay. And I can look up the exact efficiency if you give me uh, one second. I can actually what, pull up the table. What's the process called? Uh, gluconeogenesis. So you, okay. you require um, amino acids, glycerol, and pyruvate um, mm-hmm. to, to make, to have that occur. So the conversion of oh that's not in here actually um, of protein to glucose I actually don't have the number I thought I did but um, it's it's very very inefficient it's not a great yeah I think I have it right here um, so here here's my summary uh, excess protein it, I don't have the number but excess protein will be converted from amino acids via gluconeogenesis. And then it can be, con- oh, this is moving on to the next one. Um, so my next part of this is we also, it, you also have on the chart that uh, excess amino acids can be converted into fatty acids. So that means we could store protein as fat. But my understanding is uh, that's, that's very, that's through DNL, right? And that's a very, very inefficient and rare process. Yeah. So for example, um, Converting f- like dietary fat into body fat is about 96% efficient, right? So if you consume, if you're in an energy surplus and you're over in fats, 96% efficiency that will be stored as body fat. Carbohydrates are about 80% efficiency and protein is about 66% efficiency. So it's okay. very inefficient. Yeah. And, and everything I, I, I remember maybe five years ago, there was this huge debate where if if it's a lot of debates and different people kind of took different sides and then it kind of died off without, at least I never really had a, a clear understanding of it, a clear answer to it that it worrying about protein converting into fat is so rare because you have to be in a caloric surplus, have full glycogen stores. Um, and then you would have DNL to, to turn excess protein into fat. Um, and, and, 
since it's so rare, you would most likely have an increase in amino acid oxidation, which would cause the body to use fewer carbohydrates and fats, and that would cause excess carbohydrates to be stored and fat to remain to be stored. Um, yeah, that's the more likely scenario for sure. Okay. Um, perfect. Okay. And then the excess amino acids that we have, they're not being used for muscle for muscle building. Um, they're, they're going to be used if you do have... Excess amino excess amino acids or protein, it's it, they're they're going to be oxidized and converted via gluconeogenesis into glucose first before you use your body's carbohydrates. Correct? Um, not necessarily. Okay. It, I mean, it, it's very contextual. Um, so mm -hmm. it depends on the overall needs of your body, um, whether you're exercising or not exercising, what your total caloric state is. Um. So it kind of really depends on some of those things. Were you impressed with how smart I was with that whole thing that I understood that? I'm very you impressed. You were very smart. Yeah, it's it's in my notes from 2015. That's many <laughs> moons ago. What was yeah, I, I doing in 2015? Man, 2015, that's only five years ago, but that feels like lifetimes feels ago. feels like a way lifetime ago. God, this has been a long decade. So what? Uh, what what's your next slide up here? Um, so this is a slide that's kind of a, it's a summary of, uh, a lot of different labs research. And basically, this is what happens when um, you... So let's just say you consume 20 grams of whey protein, right? This is kind of a, a breakdown of where all that protein goes and how much actually ends up in your muscle tissue. So like, let's say you consume 20 grams of a protein shake, right? About 50% of that, so 10 of the 20 grams, is actually extracted by your gut tissue um, and your liver, and it's used for whatever processes it needs to, right? Um, your gut actually is a is a very protein-intensive organ system. Um, so it takes a lot of amino acids, uh, specifically glutamine is one of the high ones. Um, and we'll use that for a lot of what it needs. So about half of it is already gone before it even enters into your bloodstream. Um, the other 40% is actually like instantly catabolized. And by instantly, I mean relatively quickly. So use that for um, ATP production, uh, urea genesis, so you actually strip off the the nitrogen um, aspects of the amino acid. You make urea, and you produce neurotransmitters from the amino acids. And then only about 10% of that actually ends up in what we call de novo protein synthesis. So when you drink your 20-gram protein shake, only about 2 grams um, ends up in your muscle tissue. That's it. So I only get 2 grams out of my... Out of my uh... If I buy my ready-to-drink, my $5 RTD drink, that's 40 grams of protein, I'm only getting about 4 grams of that into my muscle. Uh, yes. How do we increase that so I get more? Um, you drink more and you lift more. Now, is there is there a limit to that? If yes. I have 100 grams of protein, will I get 10 in? Uh let me show you my sweet graph on that too. Bang, 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 bang. If anybody is not listening to the podcast, Brad's speed clicking abilities through a slideshow are phenomenal. They are. It's and he ah, sings while he does it. Here we go. This is the graph. This looks like for anybody on the podcast, this looks like a rocket taking off at an angle and just kind of slowly <laughs> marching. <laughs> so um the, the slides before this kind of walk through this, but basically we do know that as you increase your protein intake, um, your muscle protein synthesis uh, increases. But the there's a, very much a law of diminishing returns. So um, if you consume 10, you're, you know, 20 grams compared to 10 grams is about, I don't know, twice as effective for muscle mm -hmm. proteins. It's not quite, but it's like, we'll just say that's the easiest one. And then as you go from 20 to 40, it's only about maybe 50% more effective. And then when you go from 40 to 60, it's maybe 10% more effective. And if you go from 60 to 80, it's maybe 5%. And if you go from 80 to 100, it's maybe 2%. So you have this law of diminishing returns where um, right at about 40 grams is where you kind of maximize the ROI in terms of protein to muscle protein synthesis. Anything above that is you're just getting very minimal return. Yeah, you're not you're not wasting the protein. You're still it's still going to your muscles, just not as efficiently. Yeah. So okay. like let's say, you know, you're probably down in the neighborhood of three to four percent of the total protein ends up instead of whatever. Right. So so this myth of <clears throat> you can't digest, you can't use more than 40 grams of protein in a meal 
it probably originates from this. It's it's you can't you you don't it, it, the the forty grams of protein is where you if the most where you're the most efficient with your protein. You'll still utilize it beyond, but past forty, it's not as efficient. Yeah, it just becomes like I I can get calories from elsewhere that are better for glycogen replenishment. Yeah, agreed. So understand, understood, perfect. Do you have anything else on this that you wanted to cover, or can we move on to the next section of protein? Mm, let's move on. All right, if anybody has any questions on anything Brad went over, anything, just ask. Um, so <clears throat> I've digested my protein; it's broken up, and now it's going into let Let's focus on the on the fitness aspect, the muscle protein synthesis. So on building muscle. So it comes in, uh, muscle hits my. <clears throat> what triggers my muscles? To, that's <laughs> leucine is the amino acid that triggers my muscles to say, hey, it's time to start growing and repairing, correct? Yeah, it's the primary one. Yep. Okay. And and the 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 dosage of leucine that we want to get that is approximately 2.5 grams. The um, optimal. Yeah, it's like 2.5 to 5, somewhere in that neighborhood. Okay. So we get our we get our optimum optimum uh leucine dose. And is there when we're dealing with things like <clears throat> animal protein? And whey protein, is there a, do we really need to be concerned with high quality whey protein? Do we really need to be concerned with, with the amino acid breakdown in our meals? Or is, is that more of something we need to worry about for plant-based diets? Um, it's more about plant-based diets. Okay. Um, and it's generally because you are, plants have a different amino acid profile um, than animals. And they generally have they're more likely to be incomplete proteins. So there's very few plants that have a complete protein um, profile. And even mm -hmm. then, they're complete because they have some of all the amino acids, but generally not a sufficient amount of each. Okay. So I've, I've ingested my protein. It's It triggers muscle protein sy synthesis. What, what actually happens? Obviously, little grams of protein are, are not just sticking to my muscle and making them grow. Um, Am I breaking down muscle at the same time and using that to rebuild? Am I just building muscle? Is all of is that whole gram of protein being used to build muscle? Just certain amino acids? What happens? That's a great question. I even have a slide for this one too. And for um, anybody, we did not we did not go over this before we talked about it. Brad just happens to have all. <laughs> it's. At this point in my career, I guarantee you I've made a slide about the topic. Yeah, but I like how you have them like on the ready too. That's pretty oh, impressive. Oh, yeah. And I know exactly where they are on the slideshow. That's the best part. Um, so your, your skeletal muscle specifically is always in a state of like breakdown and turnover, right? The best analogy I have is, have you ever lived in a city where there's not some form of road construction? No, I live in Chicago. Right? Like so. they're always like building a road and tearing down a road, right? So your muscle tissue is very much in that same state where it's it's kind of removing old proteins that maybe have degraded a little bit and replacing it with new ones. Um, and the way it does that is it actually uses amino acids to build more tissue. So think about it like um, your muscle is like a brick wall and amino acids are individual bricks. It's a, it's a fairly decent way to think about it. Um, and so... Throughout the day, that brick wall of your muscle, bricks are being pulled out and bricks are being added on. Now, when you consume amino acids, your rate of removing bricks to adding bricks is lower. So you are actually adding more bricks than you're removing. Um, and so you have some amino acids that are like pulled into your muscle tissue and those amino acids are actually added into your muscle tissue. And there's other amino acids that kind of act as the the light switch to like turn on the signal it's like okay it's time to go let's build some muscle tissue um and so that's kind of what that looks like okay what causes oh no yeah i, I, I like the slide go to oh <laughs> well thought that was gonna be what the next causes I, was, I was getting interested um yeah we have hormonal factors right so we have hormonal factors that cause muscle protein synthesis so you have things like anabolic steroids, like testosterone that do that, but you also have internal ones, right? So things like insulin, um, insulin, like growth factor, some of those things, they'll trigger, um, muscle protein synthesis, or what they actually really do is they just decrease muscle protein breakdown. And then you have other things that can actually increase degradation. So massive inflammatory responses, 
um, fasting where you don't have any food presence, um, inactivity, things like that can actually increase um, protein degradation and decrease muscle protein synthesis. Right. So, so I wanted to go into that one because I have. A, so, as we age, does a twenty-year-old need the same amount of protein at, or does a fifty-year-old need the same amount of protein as a twenty-year-old? And is that is that if there is a difference, is it because of those factors you just talked about? Is it just they're less, they get, they're 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 less stimulated by these by amino acids to trigger things? Um. So it's a little, there's several different reasons. So younger people, um, people in their 20s, they have a hormonal profile that's substantially different than a 50-year-old, right? You have, mm-hmm. um, you have higher levels of testosterone and your body's relatively new to those levels of testosterone, right? So mm-hmm. you've been, like, think about what happened when you were 14 to 17, right? Even if you weren't, like, lifting weights, you just started adding muscle tissue to your body. Like, you're mm-hmm. just like, what, what is going on? Um, and that's from testosterone, right? New exposure of much higher levels to testosterone. Um, so that's one. Now, your total amount of protein you need to do that is not nearly as high as when you're like 50 because your body is just in a much different state. So um, when you're younger, you can actually get away with consuming less protein and maintaining or adding muscle mass than when you're older um, mm-hmm. for a lot of different reasons. So one of them is, you know, just testosterone levels, uh, physical activity levels, um, general levels of physical activity, kind of the overall health and robustness of the organism that the human body is, all those sorts of things. So now would something, let's say we have a male who goes on, they're in their 50s and they go on testosterone replacement therapy would need if would they fall back into needing less protein um it's not going to hurt to keep it the same but would they fall most likely would their triggering be back to an earlier response like somebody in their 30s yes yeah Yeah. and we do know um we do know that like anabolic steroids are enough of a signal to cause changes in muscle tissue um, like you don't, you don't have to exercise. Right. Six, what was it? Six pounds it. in the, in the, in the, the big um, study, six, six pounds from just taking the steroids and not lifting the, the Bosn study that I have <clears throat> yeah. right here. Yeah. I believe it was six pounds from just, just taking testosterone. <laughs> yeah. So let's, um, so this, if you, those of you who are just listening to the podcast, we're just looking at a graph of changes in, um, fat free mass and then actual muscle thickness of people who were on placebo or testosterone and then people who exercised or didn't exercise. Um, so really if you look at fat free mass, the change from placebo to testosterone was about three kilograms. So about six to seven pounds. So that means just, without just adding take. exercise or changing your diet, just using steroids, increase your muscle mass or your fat free mass, which can be bone and some other things of about six pounds, six to seven. Yeah. Hmm. That's pretty wild. Like yeah. if I trained my face off and ate a ton of food, if I gained six pounds in a year, that would be pretty remarkable. Yeah. And this was in how many weeks? Um, I can't remember exactly how long it was to be honest and, with and you. I, I believe it was over a 12 week period. Um, I, that sounds about right, but I can't, yeah, I, I, it was I've either somewhere between 10 and 16. Yeah. 10, 10 and 16. So, um, I've read the study a lot. I think it's an interesting one. The one question is a little off topic, but related. And maybe we talk about it when we do, maybe you don't know when we talk about it when we do fat oxidation, uh, but when we talk about fat, but <clears throat> I, uh, are there studies on fat oxidation rates for people on um, TRT or supplementing with, or just testosterone in general versus placebo? Mm-hmm. There uh, are? Yes, fat, fat oxidation increases significantly or um i believe so let me look it up but uh i just well, looked at the we can come... study it is it is 10 weeks 10 weeks okay so in 10 weeks they they were able to put on approximately six and a half pounds of muscle by not doing anything and these men these were recreational trained people correct uh yes these yeah. were i will read the abstract 
We randomly assigned 43 normal men to one of four groups. Da, 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 da. Um, let's look at the... We're, we're diving way into the weeds here, but... Um, yeah, and, and, and for anybody who's thinking we're getting a little off, there, there's a, a, meth, there's a reason for this, and that's we're, we're kind of trying to show how much testosterone when you're younger and older makes a difference. And that's not to say if you're a female, you're not that you're out of luck. Um, this is just the easiest way to look at it. And we'll dive into the female topic after this. Um, I'm looking this. So Brad, just real quick on this, on this chart, when, while you're looking that up, just so I, I'll, I'll talk about it. When, when they were exercising, how much muscle did the placebo group gain? and How much muscle did the testosterone group gain? Uh, of the people who are lifting? Correct. Um, let's just make round numbers and say the the lifting group added maybe four pounds of okay. fat-free mass. Okay. And the testosterone group added somewhere in the neighborhood of about 12. So with lifting and testosterone, 12. And these guys were given a lot. These were not TRT doses. These were... Uh, super physio physiological doses that be that are illegal. Um, uh, Six hundred milligrams of testosterone. Anthony, uh, Anthony, yeah, Anthony, yeah, yeah, yeah. So these guys were taking large doses, not what a TRT dose would be. Um, and they just gained six pounds without lifting, four pounds without testosterone and lifting, or twelve pounds with lifting and testosterone. So Taking drugs is going to help you build muscle no matter what, better than if you take them. Um, yes. Now, <clears throat> did you find what you were looking for? Yeah. So fat oxidation is increased from testosterone therapy. Is there? Do you have a? Is there a, a number to that or no? It doesn't matter. Um, it just says basal lipid oxidation uh, beta equals five point six five milligrams per minute per meter squared increased in basal glucose oxidation decreased in response to testosterone therapy, even when corrected for changes in lean body mass. So, you, so you're just going to be way more efficient at everything. Yeah. I mean, it's just, okay. testosterone not, is like, let's build muscle and, and let's, burn fat. let's burn fat. Yeah. No, we're not telling anybody to go on anything um, without a doctor uh, supervision, but because there are other obvious side effects, but it does demonstrate the point that we, we need that we're more efficient with protein when we're younger, when we have more testosterone and we are less efficient as we age. And that was the, the, but you can still make good progress without it. They still put on muscle with just lifting. Um, mundo. And the, the, now I want to, we put on with just normal levels. They put on four, four pounds of muscle um, or about two kilograms yep. with, with a female, obviously we're not, we don't have high testosterone levels. How does this work for not only females, but females as they age? Um, so that's a good question. So there's, there's a few pieces there that are important. Um, what's the best way to work through this? So females don't only just produce lower levels of testosterone. They have fewer androgen receptors. So their ability to receive the signal is less than men. Um, so that's that's a component of it. Um, as women age, their estrogen levels, their progesterone levels, all those sorts of things change. And it generally defaults to a carrying less muscle mass, uh, lower bone density, and higher adiposity. Um, now, these effects are not like major. It's not like, hey, you hit menopause and you just start adding huge amounts of fat mass and your bones crumble. Um, but But there are physiological changes that shift your body to being more prone to fat storage, uh, sarcopenia and osteopenia. So does estrogen drive muscle building in females? Uh, generally not. Okay. Will having lower estrogen levels be better for building muscle in females? Not necessarily. Okay. So estrogen has very little play in the overall muscle building. Um, so I'm not an endocrinologist, so yep. I may be not correct here. So I would say we'll, we'll do some follow-up research on this. But as far as I know, estrogen is geared more towards um, adiposity than muscle tissue. Okay. 
I, th- okay. I believe that's I, correct. I believe, yeah, I believe that's correct too. Um, so when <clears throat> a lot, a lot of females that we have come in as clients are when, when they have either when they've gone through menopause, they're on hormone replacement therapy. And I see a lot of them who are supplementing with very, very low dose testosterone, uh, most of the time testosterone cream, um, along with their estrogen replacement. <clears throat> do do you think that, and this is a broad statement and I know you're, you're not an endocrinologist, I, I understand. Is, do you think that, that being on that testosterone cream then increases the lean muscle building ability of a 55-year-old female compared to a 25-year-old female? My guess would be it does. Yeah. 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 And that's, now, that's anecdotally, that's been my my observation from that is clients that come in that are in their 50s uh, that are at any age are on hormone replacement to stop with testosterone seem to build significantly more muscle than even female in their early 20s. I would say that's probably accurate. Um, yeah, it's purely observation. I have yeah. zero data that I've looked at to back that up. I, we, I'm sure we could look it up, but yeah. yeah. And Jody, Jody, Jody Phillips, one of our coaches, just asked an absolutely fantastic question that I have an anecdotal answer to, but not a actual answer, like a data driven one. And her question is, what is the retention rate for muscle if testosterone supplementation is stopped? So I would say it's relatively high if Mm -hmm. you sustain your training. If you stop training, it will go away fairly quickly. And and there's the problem is that the train, and I a hundred percent agree. And the problem is that you can't sustain the training volume that you were when you're on high levels of testosterone as when you're off. Because Sounds like re- you just need to toughen up people. Yeah, because your recovery time is, is you know, your recovery time when you're on steroids is a lot higher. And when you're younger, your recovery time is a lot faster on both yeah. of those than it is when you're off. So if you're a, if, you, if you're a bodybuilder who is on high doses, or if you're a, a 50 year old man who's on regular testosterone replacement therapy doses, once you stop that, your recovery time is cut back to naturally where you are at 50 or where you are at your age as a bodybuilder. And there's no way to maintain that size. Yeah. I don't know a real number, but that's a, that's a good, uh, good question, Jody. Sarah asked, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome generally involves having higher male hormones. So is it possible for us to gain more muscle if we have PICOS? Um, that's a great question. So one of the difficult parts um, about PCOS is it's not just a uh, like a singular thing. There are several things that occur alongside of it um, that may impact uh, your ability to gain muscle tissue, right? Some of it is overall metabolism, ability to recover, um, ability to do training, you know, all those sorts of things. So I don't know if I have a great answer for that, unfortunately. But do you know any, uh, any, anyone, an expert um, that we could have on the show to talk about polycystic ovarian syndrome? Um, Like real experts or armchair experts? Real experts, like somebody we can have in and we can have a discussion. Let me rack my brain. I'm sure I know somebody. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we could find somebody. I didn't know if you know anybody offhand. I think we could find a uh, find an endocrinologist somewhere. Yeah. Let me. Um. So here is PCO. Here's a study that looked at the um, basically anthropomet- anthropometrics of women who had PCOS and who are lean. So this should tell us a little bit more of um, what that relates to in terms of lean mass. Um. So this is very interesting. Um, So we just talked about this a little bit earlier. So generally speaking, um, men have higher levels of androgen receptors in their upper body, right? This is why men have bigger upper bodies than women do. Um, So if you look at the body size, fat distribution, and body composition variables in lean PCOS patients and lean controls, um, PCOS lean women are generally... here. There's kind of two things. one is the fat mass distribution and the the lean mass distribution. And they're 
relatively the same across all categories, except for a few things. One, um, lean women who have PCOS have a higher level of upper body fat mass. Um, and a slightly lower upper body lean mass, which is the opposite of what you would think if they're if they're really generating male characteristics. Um, so it that's very counterintuitive. So I would say I don't know if there's a clean answer to your question based on that data. Well, okay, yeah. Let's let's see if we can find a uh, somebody who who we we can reach out to somebody who maybe is a uh, an expert in that field. I don't think it would be very difficult to find somebody to get to come on and talk. Um, no, I don't think so. Why don't I, I mean, maybe, maybe, if you, maybe if you lead with I'm Brad Dieter, they might run, but if we say, Hey, come with Jay for an hour, they'll be all over it. Um, while you're looking that up, Teresa, uh, Teresa had a question from YouTube and she said, since you are talking about protein, can you touch on collagen? Does your body use collagen like other proteins? Should it be counted in my macros like any other protein? Yeah, so this is a this is a very good question. Um, this is one of those uh, one of those topics that I would say I've had my mind changed quite a bit on, um, and it's mostly through discussions with several colleagues of mine. So, collagen protein, um, like when you consume it, is primarily made up of uh, of glycine and proline. Now. Generally speaking, in the modern world, we do not get a lot of glycine in our diet. Like if you think about what are your primary protein sources? For most of us, it's probably things like chicken breasts, um, protein shakes, yogurt, maybe a steak here or there. But very few of us are like eating chicken thighs and eating the skin and like chewing on the the ends of the bones um, regularly, right? Or we're not drinking a lot of like um, bone broth and things like that, which are where we especially in the health conscious community. Yeah, right? Like most of us are like, oh, I'm going to eat lean chicken. It's like, okay, that's great. But you're missing a lot of glycine. Um, and so glycine as an amino acid appears to be metabolized differently than other amino acids in the sense that when you consume glycine, it primarily goes to these structural um, connective tissue things. So what I generally tell people um, is... If you're taking a collagen supplement, to really err on the side of caution, um, I would not add that to your daily protein intake. I would say like if you need 150 grams protein a day and you're taking 15 grams of collagen or whatever, five or seven, don't add that to your daily protein intake because it's at least part of it, maybe most of it, potentially all of it is being used for things that your other dietary protein is not being needed for. That would be my collagen. Collagen is one of those interesting things because I was when I, you know, my my early thoughts were I was similar to you where it was everything I could find was it's not really worth it. It's kind of inferior. Stay away from it. It's it's the cheap afterthought that supplement companies needed to make another protein to make money. Um, and then <clears throat> honestly, I, I stayed. I just stayed away from the subject. I didn't really care to it. My interests have changed more away from the nutrition side to the business side of macros. And then based on our conversations, what? Unacceptable. Well, I don't coach clients anymore, so I can, I can, I can take that and not in charge of uh, coaching education. So I can step away from that. But based on our conversations here, uh, you, based on one of our conversations on collagen here, um, maybe a month or two ago, I actually, you, you, you you changed your view on it. Mm-hmm. We talked about it here. I went, read a lot about it, and uh, I'm actually by training. I'm in the middle of writing a couple book chapters, so my training was going to start August 1st. Now it's going to start hopefully August 15th again. And collagen protein is actually one of the things I'm adding into my uh, my supplements now. Look how bougie you are. Yeah, yeah, super bougie. I'm super super bougie. Is that a is that a term now? It is now. Okay, I just made it. Um, before we go any further, I feel like we've done a great disservice to people because we have not told people that if they would like to know more about protein and learn about it while you make, you make progress and get results um, and you have a coach that's much better than Jay, uh, go to <laughs> macrosavage.net was a good coach. slash services and sign up for coaching. You get a two-week free trial if you sign up for nutrition coaching or 
if you're feeling very bad and bougie, you can sign up directly for the complete coaching and you can get your training and your nutrition covered from jump and make it rain on day one. Did you just make a bad and bougie? I 100% did. Notice how I just like led that in with just, and it was totally normal. I could, I bet you I could do that whole entire song. I think Hannah Claus and I could do that whole entire song. Too. I think we have. Raindrops. We were, raindrop, drop top. Raindrop, drop top, smoking on the cookie in a hot box. See, I could do the you whole know, thing, dude. You know what my favorite Migos song is? Have you heard the the guys who remade that uh, Dr. Seuss song? There's a bucket in my pocket and a basket in my basket. Yeah, I, I yes, exactly. I'm horrible with song names and bands unless like I've listened to them a thousand times, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And the one I'm really scared of is the bug under the rug. That's probably my I favorite did, YouTube clip of I, the last two or three years. I think we're done with the protein conversation. Is there anything first? Is there anything else you want to add in Dude, on the protein? There's so much we haven't covered. Oh, what else do you want to cover? Like, how often should you consume protein? How many oh, grams we'll is optimal talk, at a time? Stop talking about rap and let's try to get on uh, on topic here, Dr. Dieter. Um, so we have about nine minutes left. So let's jump into protein pro, protein overall. Before we get into the small part, let's start with the with the macro picture. See what I did there? Um, You're of, so funny. I'm, I'm on it today. I started out in a really pissy mood. Now I'm in a really good mood. Oh, no, I just oh. broke my laptop charger. Well, that's not... Why'd you do that? <laughs> I don't know, but this piece of plastic just fell off. And oh, you don't need of, that. Yeah, but, like, there's a piece of metal exposed now. Oh, you don't need that. It's fine. Yeah, until I get shocked. Oh, I, I, I put it back. It's really warm. Hope it doesn't start fire. Um, anyways, how much protein on a, on a daily basis is, opt, uh, is optimal and... Is there harm in the average healthy person having too much? Is it, and I guess a third question, is it better to have too much or too little protein? This chart right here mm-hmm. is a very fancy way of saying, if I look at all of the studies, um, what is the optimal protein intake for adding fat-free mass or muscle tissue to your body? Somewhere around 1.6 grams per kilogram, which is about... 0.7 grams per pound, give or take. Is that per pound or per pound of lean body mass? Uh, th- that's per pound. Now, okay. that's for the average person, right? Okay. So if you're somewhere around 0.7 grams up to 1 to 1.1 grams per pound, you're kind of in that optimal window. Um, now, that breaks down if you have very high levels of body mass, right? So if you have... 300 or 150 kilograms of body mass, 200 kilograms of body mass, I would not go up that high. Um, that's, so, you know, where really having a, uh, like a coach or somebody to kind of help you work through that. Like if you weigh, let's just say 150 kilograms, you probably pounds. don't need, um, 300 pounds. Yeah. So 300 pounds, 150 kilograms. You probably don't need, let's say, let's just say you weigh 300 pounds. You probably don't need, 300 grams of protein. That's probably a little too much. Um, then is where we kind of say, okay, let's, if you were, if you had, if your BMI was maybe closer to normal to um, overweight, mm-hmm. given your percentage of body fat, what would your body weight be? Um, and let's go there. Like, what would be your target lean mass number? Let's base yeah. it off of that. That's generally what we do. Um, can you consume too much? So for the average healthy person, having a higher protein intake, let's just say it's one and a half grams per pound of body weight, probably not very many side effects or like worries you need to have. Okay. And because they've studied high protein intakes up to what? Five? I think Jose Antonio did up to five. Uh, 3.3 grams per kilogram. Is that what he was? Okay. Yeah. So, and they did, they took that for a year, correct? Um, yes. Yeah, so 3.3 grams per kilogram. How many grams per pound is that, Brad? That's a one and a half. Something okay, like so that. So one, one and a half grams per pound of body weight for over a year, and did they have any issues? Um, as far as we know, there was no adverse health effects um, on their blood panel. So there was really no, no kidney issues, no major 
um, liver issues, no major lipid issues, glucose issues, things like that. Now, these were relatively healthy people, so they had no other contraindications um, or comorbidities. They were also young, so they're somewhere between 18 and probably 25. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I tell people you can probably get away with a high level of protein, but like you don't need to have, most people don't need really above about a gram per pound. Okay. That's all I got Perfect. on that one. Okay. Um, then on an throughout the day so we're taking in about a gram per pound throughout a day throughout or during a day and then throughout that day how how is how do we need to space protein out is it important to space it out can i have all my protein in one meal um is it best to eat sip on and drink protein throughout the entire day over a 24-hour period gosh well i'm so glad you asked that question because i have a slide for that one too so this was a study that was done where they actually basically asked that question. They said, okay, now this was a little bit lower on the protein intake. Um, this was uh, right around, I think it was like roughly 80 grams a day. Um, so they gave these people basically two chunks of protein at um, like twice a day. They broke it into about four even feedings a day. Um, you know, basically at, at every meal with like an extra snack essentially. Um, or they had them take like 10 grams every like 90 minutes all day. And the the long story short is that kind of this this intermediate so like evenly spaced out in about four meals throughout the day is better for muscle protein synthesis um, than taking it in like two huge boluses or continual small feeding throughout the day. Okay. So perfect. That's what we know. Glad I didn't say anything stupid or burp. I had I had my mic muted. I did not. <laughs> yeah, good thing you didn't like swear at somebody. Like you, like me. Well, thank you for all that, Brad. You are you're very smart. I don't know if anybody's ever told you that. You know, I just I know a thing or two. Mostly just because I have, just have a, a misspent youth is what I tell people. Oh, all right. Well, uh, are we done? I think so. What What are you doing with the rest of your day, Jay? Um, well, we have a meeting in but what two if hours. I don't wanna, what if I don't want to go and to meetings? We have another meeting in five hours. Um, and I have to run payroll and finish writing a book chapter. But, but what if I don't want to go to meetings? Don't. What happens That's if what I, I don't do. go to meetings? Um, nothing. Oh, um, we should probably tell people that we're hiring. You're hiring. Yeah. So if anybody is interested in becoming a coach right now is a time for uh, like there, there was a recent survey that said 58, 58 or 59% of Americans do not plan on renewing their gym membership. Um, when after, after every, after everything opens back up, um, I read a survey that said as many as 80% of gyms in the United States will never reopen fully or will be gone within a year. That's so <clears throat> nutty. That's insane. So the 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 personal trainer industry is is, is hurting. Yeah, it's it, it's it's hurting. It's shifting, and there's really just not a not the job security that used to be there. And it's not that there's not a demand. It's that there's just not going to be gyms open because they're so expensive to maintain, and most gyms don't make a huge amount of profit. Um, <clears throat> so it's just easier, and a lot of gyms are owned by people part time. Um, so it's just easier for them to put their time and focus elsewhere. <laughs> So one thing that we have noticed is that online coaching is booming. Online coaching is, you know, the next wave of fitness. If you think about it, fitness was, didn't have that technical, that technology, technological revolution that other industries have. It hasn't made that shift online and it is starting. Um, So Macro Inc. is hiring um, fitness professionals. So if you are a personal trainer or a nutritionist um, who wants more, security for the future, wants to be able to work from home, wants the flexibility of working, you know, for the most part around your own schedule. Um, we are hiring coaches and you can go to macrosinc.net uh, slash job board or macrosinc.net slash become hyphen a hyphen coach and apply. We have, <clears throat> we, we pay competitively. We pay uh, after two years, you'll be making more than a, uh, as far as I'm aware, any other company in the industry is paying their coaches. Um, we get up to full speed real quick, have an onboarding process. Uh, you get to talk to Brad every day. Maybe you'll hear him swear. 
Um, yeah, once in a blue moon you swear. It's, it's crazy. Not at you, out of excitement. You, I, I never heard you swear at someone. I've heard you swear out of excitement. You said the other day. You swore the other day out of excitement for the first time. It was crazy. Talking about a car. It was just. It probably blew your mind. It blew Dylan's mind. That's for sure. It he did was, blow Dylan's mind. He was really. He was like, "Whoa, you're talking about a car." Um, so it, it's a. You can go into our group. You can ask our coaches how they like it. You can see how it how they like it. But you will really build a. We're a company that's that is quickly growing. We are looking for coaches. We're always hiring coaches. Um, macrosync.net slash become hyphen a hyphen coach. Look at, check out the requirements set out, send out and uh, you're sending your resume. Uh, you'll hear from myself, Brad or Corey, talk to us, and then we will do interviews and get you all set up. So sign up, Brad, what do you have to add that, that that's way more professional than what I said? Mm, carry on my wayward son. Oh yeah, exactly. Brad, we're at the hour mark. I think that means people are done listening to us. Yeah, I'm done listening to us. Thank you guys for bearing with me while I showed you slides. And if you're listening to the podcast, you can go to the YouTubes and watch this one because it's that good. So you just need to go to macrozinc.net slash YouTube. And we will see you guys on Friday at the same macro time. Same macro channel. And JQ, the very nice outro music. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Am I Live, a podcast from Macros Inc. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate it. Until next time.